Hello and welcome to Don't Change the Subject with your hosts. My name is Ed Withers. And I'm Lorcan. And today we are joined by Lynn. And Lynn is a friend of Lorcan's who he speaks very highly of. So Lorcan, would you like to introduce your friend Lynn? Yes, everyone. This is Lynn. She is our resident football savant, very knowledgeable about the subject and an absolute star. So we're happy to have her today. Welcome, Lynn. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Yep. Um, I'm, I am an openly fanatical Manchester United supporter. I've been a season ticket holder the last 30 years, so I feel quite qualified to speak on the subject. So, yeah. Awesome. Hello. Now, what today, we're not really just going to be talking just about football. We're going to dig under the surface a little bit and see what kind of political and social issues we can get out of out of this. So the first one uh, that we're going to be talking uh, about today is David Beckham, the famous David Beckham, English footballer. Is he a knight yet? Is, has he made that? I don't think he's, he has. has he? He's, he's been... He's been desperate for a knighthood. He's done everything he can, including queuing for 14 hours, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah, the lying in state queuing thing. It was a bit, yeah, like... Oh, yeah. Man of the people. Did you hear the police had to um, search the bags as well of everybody as they approached? And one of the things that they found in there was a dildo. (laughs) And so what the police (laughs) did say, well... It was a 14-hour wait and Beckham was in the line. You can't yeah. blame the lady. <laughs> but for a moment there, I thought you meant that it was Beckham's. But no, so it was somebody else's, was it? Yes. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Because um, that's, you know, one, one way to not get a knighthood is to, uh, is to take a, a, a dildo into the lying in state of Her Majesty the Queen. I, I... It would have been a touching treat. It certainly would. I'm sure she'd have loved it. <laughs> yeah. Placing it among the coffin. <laughs> Along with the orb yeah. and the crown <laughs> and the other articles of state. <laughs> yes. well, before um, all three of us lose any chance of ever gaining any kind of honours ourselves. <laughs> um, so, yeah, David Beckham's been in the press, um, as always. Um, but this time, particularly talking about um, Qatar. So, yeah, the World Cup. It's not normally at this time of year, is it? It's an absolute travesty, Ed, is the honest answer to that one. It should be a Summer World Cup. I still can't actually quite believe it's happening. We've had every league in Europe disrupted as a result of it. It's absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I'm so against it, but it's happening and there's nothing we can do. And may I add, Mr Beckham, I will, as, as I say, I've got, I was... Very tempted to just let him off everything because it's David Beckham and I love him and I'm a Manchester United supporter. And I was really going to stick up for him and say, oh, he's only took some money from a Doritos advert. He hasn't, has he? He's a full-on ambassador for the Qatari World Cup. And this is a man who was our ambassador for the English bid when the Qataris got it and went on a rant about how disgusting it was that Qatar won. And now look at him. So I'm not impressed with the fella at all. In a way, he's also a de facto ambassador for Qatar. Mm. And I don't want to call it football washing because that sounds... It's sports like washing. A, it, it, a really shitty it is that, though. couple of words paired together. But yeah, sports mm. washing is a better phrase. And yeah, so it's not great for his integrity, especially knowing what everyone knows about Qatar and their record. Uh, but yeah, he's, he takes the money. You just thought he'd have enough by now. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the p- people have basically died 
building the stadium, haven't they? Like the, the, this, this is yep. the, 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 the human yep. rights abuses going on in Qatar are, uh, you know, it's a list as long as my arm. And, it, you know, it's now directly, it's not even just that the human rights situation is kind of like a sideline to the World Cup. The fact that these, you know, these, the workers' rights have been um, so poor through the actual building of the stadium that the World Cup is going to be hosted in means that, you know, the, the World Cup is now implicit in those human rights um, abominations themselves, really, doesn't it? This is, though, this is a corrupt organisation that's that's granted them the World Cup in the first place. There's a list, every single person who was in that room who voted on the Qatari World Cup, every single one of them, Ed, are now banned from football. All of them. It's the most corrupt World Cup ever. And it's an absolute disgrace. Now, Gary Neville's been doing a lot of talk about the the World Cup and the Qatari bid, and he's actually gone over there. And I admire him in a way because he's he has tried to spotlight the bad stuff that's happening. He hasn't just gone on and said, oh, look at the shiny stadiums. He has gone over, he's looked, he's gone to workers' camps, they've given him access. And his point is, and I kind of get what he's saying, his point is, well, do you ban the Middle East altogether? Do you just send them out into the wilderness and let them get on with it? Or do you let them join the wider community, let them have the World Cup, and we're all shining a light on what they're doing? Do you know what I mean? We're all looking at the gay, you know, the, the issues with gay rights and women's rights and, and the workers' rights and how basically backward it is over there with, with a lot of things. Well, it's, that's the question, isn't it? What's the best way of actually addressing it and restoring some ethical balance? Because integration has worked where we've tried to get people involved in these mm. activities, a big international sporting event. You know, people see how modern mm. they are and how modern things can be and they see different cultures exactly. and it's a you know it's a celebration of the sport and it brings people together but more often than not it's actually used by regimes to, to gloss over their, their crimes and the quality of life in these countries and uh, it's just for posterity it's 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 literally just for posterity to say oh look we're not all that bad look what we've but done again look what we've when you when it does nothing. when you look at posterity or, or how the football world lead they call it legacy each country or that gets the World Cup, you're supposed to have something in place that leaves a legacy behind of football and sports, so that will continue in that region. They haven't got a league, they haven't got any sporting, there's nothing. There's no football or history of football in that region. So their stadiums, honest, you want to see what they've built, honest, on poor people who died building those stadiums. They are the most, they're like Wembley on steroids, Like they're like the new Wembley, they're beautiful, they're the most wonderful stadiums you've ever seen. Who's what's going to happen to them afterwards? There's no one there who's going to fill them. They're hundred thousand seater stadiums with a, a country that's got absolutely no interest in the sport. So where's you let you know? What I mean, it's just a pointless sports washing exercise. That's exactly what it is. And Beckham's implicit with it now, and you know, doing adverts for it, saying how cracking it is. It isn't. Yeah, is this going to really affect his reputation? Because you know, as a non-football, um, you know, diehard fan. He's the guy who delivered the Olympic torch during 2012. He's, you know, was involved in the the Jubilee and all of this kind of stuff. I feel like has he basically bargained for the fact that it's going to take a lot to properly damage his reputation? Will he will he come out unscathed from this? Do you think? He usually does. 
<laughs> he usually does. He does have a, an aura about him, Beckham, that just seems to get him away with a lot of things um, that other players wouldn't. I mean, look at me. I'm I'm willing to forgive him almost anything. He's just he is a genuinely lovely bloke, but I don't get what he's. I don't get why he's doing it. Like like Larkin said, he's got money. He's got position. He doesn't need the. He doesn't need the exposure. I don't understand why he's done it, and I probably won't tarnish his reputation. It may do about. Football fans will call him a hypocrite, which he is, to be honest. But no, I don't think it will damage him long term. In my opinion, I feel that the guy could drop kick a Qatari labourer yep. and present a Pride of Britain award <laughs> the next day and all would be forgiven. Genuinely, uh, it would. It's David Beckham. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He's a likable guy. Punch away, David. I don't care. His <laughs> eyes are dreamy. He's not called golden balls for nothing. Yeah. And I don't know too much about football, but I can second that in so far that in the early 2000s, he was so influential and so good at the sport that he inspired a very heart, heart-touching heart film, a great yes. moment in cinema history with Bendit like Exactly. Beckham. I don't know yeah. what they were bending. <laughs> I don't. I didn't watch uh, yeah. it. I don't think However, it's what you think it is. You don't get a name I like that in a film. No, don't get excited. Well, not what you think it is. <laughs> yeah, is it? Be... Well, I should <laughs> remove that from my list. <laughs> I mean, what I want to know is: was he as good as the? Am I right in saying never yellow carded or red carded Gary Lineker? Gary Lineker, no, absolutely ten times the footballer that Gary Lineker ever was. You don't get the reason you don't get a yellow or a red card in your career is because you never do anything. You never tackle anyone. You never do anything. You just, but don't get me wrong. It sounds a ridiculous thing to say, but all he did was score goals. <laughs> but that is it. He was a, he's what we call a goal poacher. That's the whole. Game, I know. Man. That's what I mean. It sounds. That is, that's why I hate football. That's the I game. know. There's You've nothing more to it. Putting balls in the onion. It's net. not. That's all it is. But he basically just loitered about the area and just knocked them in. But, uh, but he was brilliant at it. As, he was brilliant at it. Just don't get as Lorcan was beginning to think he'd wrapped his head around how football worked, and 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 now <laughs> he's st- he's yeah. Goes in the that's net. Not, wins that's the not all there is to it, Lorcan. Apparently, <laughs> what there is also um, to football these days is your social media presence and what you say on social media. And these footballers, oh, David yes. Beckham being one, but Gary Lineker being another one in the in the news this week for um, mm. saying uh, what he said and getting in trouble for it. So so obviously Gary Lineker, BBC Pundit, um, you know, massive following on uh, Twitter. And um, he doesn't hold back quite often. He's He's, he's known for having quite uh, left-wing views, he's pro-immigration, um, and yeah. he's made some comments um, recently about um, uh, the, the the Conservative government, and he's talked about, it was something to do with sewage or whatever, whatever. but anyway, the point is that the BBC Trust have found him guilty, or they've, you know, agreed that he broke BBC impartiality rules. I remember when this spat happened, because another BBC journalist sort of tweeted at him, and said, how comes the, the rules that apply to me don't uh, seem to apply to you? And Gary replied saying, well, I, I work in sport, you work in news. Your take on this, Lorcan, do you think he should have been a, um, a, a, a an impartial sports pundit or, or is, is, is him going into the world of politics okay? I don't really, I don't really get the first so much. 
the reason that angry is because he has a presence on social media that's quite quite large and it seems to go beyond the realm of football. But what they're more triggered by, I think the comment they made, uh, who was it to? Do you remember? I do. It was in response. It, was, it wasn't It um, was on Twitter. It was on Match of the Day. Oh, I thought it was Twitter because I thought he tweeted to someone saying, um, it was to the Conservative Party or a Conservative saying, oh, so you'll give that Russian donor money back I, then or something to that I may be wrong. I think he actually said it on Match of the Day. It was when the, the, the sanctions came in to football when um, Putin invaded and obviously Roman Abramovich uh, ran Chelsea Football Club and then obviously the sanctions went against Chelsea because they were owned by this Russian oligarch. So he said, oh, well, it's all, said something along the lines of, oh, well, I suppose you'll be giving all that Russian donor money back now then, won't you? And I think he said it on Match of the Day. So, you know, he has crossed over. Well, it's. I think that's where the frustration comes from because what I was going to say before is that with impartiality, you've got to treat all political parties equally. But the problem is not all political parties are guilty of the same thing. So what really triggered them is that he said, oh, give this donor money back, the Russian tainted money. Well, you can't say the same about Labour and you can't say the same about the Liberal Democrats. So it puts them in the picture and it made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the man has been in the um, in the crosshairs of right-wing media, especially the Daily Mail, for years. They really hate him, like they really do. Uh, and it's quite amusing because he always seems to outstep them. So when he spoke about the refugee crisis, they said, oh, you're wealthy, Gary Lineker, you have all these mansions. Why didn't you take on some refugees? So he did. So he did. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and, and when he did that, they go, why don't you take on more refugees? So he so did. Generous, <laughs> and he did. And now they don't know what to say. <laughs> so and now you just get articles saying, Gary Lineker is bad because he's a guy. Screw that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> screw that guy. <laughs> yeah. But if you he look at it to... the other way, it's... It, isn't that though? Isn't the whole refugee thing, in a way, sports sports personality or not? That's that's showing a view, isn't it? Really. So is that impartiality? Why didn't you get, you know, did why didn't you get picked up on that? Is that because the BBC were happy with that? To me, it sounds like the BBC, you know, because like you just said, Lorcan, about the donors, that's what triggered them because, like you say, the Tories yeah. it affects them, but. The, although it, it makes well, the BBC is, look nice, doesn't it? And fuzzy exactly. and lovely. So they're happy when with is, that. When is a statement political? If I was Garolinica and I put on a statement on Twitter saying, don't kick homeless people in the face, is that breaching impartiality exactly. rules? Is there a party of people that says, no, you shouldn't be saying that, Gary. But this is the problem with... believe the, that you should kick him in the face. This is the problem with like BBC impartiality and the way it's kind of gone. Like um, Emily Maitlis talked about this in her... Um, uh, she gave a, a lecture recently, sort of uh, celebrating the the end of her BBC career and her moving on to the world of uh, of podcasting. Actually, hurrah! Um, and you know, she talks about this idea that like BBC impartiality has created this really weird situation where if you have somebody on that says that you shouldn't kick homeless people in the face, then you need to also have somebody on that actually likes kicking homeless people in the face like that's and and so they've got into this mindset and that's Ah, the choice of balance well exactly and and balance it's you know it's it doesn't make sense when you've got like 99 percent of people um saying one thing and one percent of people saying the other and and you know they you don't achieve balance you achieve balance by having 99 people versus one person that's true balance Obviously, that's difficult to kind of judge when it comes to political issues, because, for example, the EU uh, referendum, 
we only know now that true balance would have been uh, having 48 people on one side and 52 on the other. But before the referendum took place, who knew what the, you know, you would have to, have to have relied on polls to to give you that. And Well, yeah. that's where some of the controversy emanates from insofar that there wasn't really much of a groundswell or a grassroots, grassroots movement for Brexit before the big players started talking it up. Uh, it was a threat from UKIP that really put it on the nation's plate as a steaming pile of shit. Uh, so here we are. I think something like it's a similar amount. There was a similar amount of Brexiteers in the country as there was Republicans, in effect. Say like ten, twenty percent of the eligible uh, eligible electorate were had those views, and then yeah, put a referen- referendum on it, and here we are. So. Yeah, but that's the problem because if you present it as if it's a fifty-fifty debate, um, then you know, surprise, surprise you end up with a referendum result, which is 50-50. It actually just goes to show the power of these, these you know, panels, you know, question time, whatever, the, the, the power that they have over people in convincing them that, you know, somebody is on their side or not on their side. Um, so are we saying that, like, impartiality is impossible? Um, I do think the BBC sometimes, though, I, I, again, sorry, back to Qatar, but... I, Again, there was a, a podcast, again, um, again, Gary Neville talking about it with, um, it, it was, um, I think it was a sports broadcaster. And Gary Neville just kept saying to him, but just tell me, do you think that the Qatar World Cup's a good idea? And he just kept saying, I can't answer that, Gary, because of impartiality rules. He said, no, you can give an opinion. He said, no, I can't, I'm not allowed. And I just thought it was ridiculous. I just thought it was a cop-out. I think sometimes it's just a cop-out for them. They just don't want to give the views. I, I don't think they can ever be completely impartial how can you be nowadays especially with social media as well you know say 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 they post something with a link and then does that mean you're endorsing that link or i just think it's much more i think in the old days you could maybe be more impartial but i think with social media it's almost impossible especially with so many big questions like you can give an opinion based on the objective fact yeah and uh, you know the situation could be pretty black and white mm. It's, but you're not allowed to make a comment on it because it's being political or partial. So you're being partial to reality here. You're not being, it's, there's a difference between being partial to reality and partial to some weird, esoteric, extreme political view. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're two different things. Yeah. And also, I mean, the, the BBC are up against TV networks that don't give a crap about impartiality. So, you know, the new, the new kid on the block, GB News, um, you know, who I, I don't think for a moment they're in any immediate position of actually competing with, you know, channels like BBC. They are still very much a fringe channel. But obviously their presenters, their news pundits and their so-called journalists, um, you know, have absolutely no, uh, you know, no care for impartiality at all. You've got, you know, people like um, Dan Wooten and Darren Grimes and the uh, that the guy that cosplays as a vicar um, and... Loza Fox. Loza Fox, exactly. You know, oh, the... yeah, he's on there. Mm. Yeah. I found... Fox News, isn't it, basically? 100%, yeah. And the BBC are up against that. So they're, they're, on the one hand, you've got like the, the a proper news channel, I guess, sort of telling its, its pundits that they're not allowed to have a view on social media. And then you've got another news channel that are practically encouraging their pundits to hold right-wing views as loudly mm-hmm. as possible on social media. And in the world of 2022, who's going to win out? Like, which, what's going to get more social media hits? 
Well, this is the big question because I remember a while back, maybe I say a while back, more like a year or two ago, when Andrew Neil, who's a stalwart of right-wing conservative values and politics and journalism, was interviewing Ben Shapiro, who is an absolute goblin of I've, a human I, being. I've watched it many times, Logan. Have you seen it? Yeah, of course Basically, I have. to give everyone the context, uh, they're having a backwards and forwards. Andrew Neil is devil's advocate, so he asks mm-hmm. his questions of quite, which, which are uncomfortable, but to the point and are very direct, very blunt. They get to the nitty-gritty of what needs to be talked about. And Ben Shapiro accused him of being part of the liberal media establishment. He had no Andrew idea Neil who was he was, perplexed. did he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. He, he literally said... You have no idea who I am. I won't do his, his Scottish drool. I can't, I'm not good with accents. But it, everyone watching that, everyone in Britain was just like, what? Do you know who this guy is, Ben? Do you know who this guy is, Ben? Well, the mass media is now Twitter. And, you know, you get uh, you get Trump tweeting and it goes into the feed social. of, uh, yeah, exactly. And somebody else who, uh, who's been tweeting uh, this week um, is, and now you might have to, to correct me on the pronunciation of this name. As I've said a few times, Football isn't my thing. My boyfriend, Sam, told me about this and was in fits of laughter when I tried to say the name to him um, this morning. Uh, but Ica Casellas, is that right, Lynn? Casillas. Casillas. Okay, so we got a, a bit of a, like a, 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 is he Spanish? He certainly is, yeah. Right, so we got a Spanish um, Casillas there. And so he tweeted this week um, and he tweeted. And at first, so this, this all right, I'm going to tell you, how I found out about it and and it kind of goes to show the the impact it will have so my boyfriend Sam is um a keen footballer he plays for a LGBTQ football club called uh Charlton Invicta which is uh the uh sort of inclusive football team of Charlton Athletic um and he said oh my god oh my god oh my god and um showed me this tweet from a footballer I'd never heard of but you know he then told me that this is a big deal like this is a huge huge name and it appears that he's just come out on social media so he tweeted and the translation of the tweet was um that uh you know he's coming out he's gay um and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Because we've had a few footballers come out this year. You know, apparently this would have, would have been absolutely massive. But we've had um, uh, Josh Cavellio um, is the one that springs to mind um, as a footballer who's come out and is beginning to kind of, um, you know, turn the tide, we was hoping, of, of, of LGBTQ being widely and much more accepted uh, in football. And another footballer then replied and said, um, it's time to tell our story. And with a picture of the two together, sat at a table eating a meal together. So all of a sudden it looked very much like um, we had a world-class footballer coming out and then another world-class footballer implying that he was in a relationship with that footballer. Um, And as a, you know, Sam was sceptical. I was like, there's no way that could be fake. If these people are as huge as you say they are, no, surely they wouldn't, you know. Um, and it's all come crumbling down, hasn't it? Like, um, it it turns out that neither of them were telling the truth. Um, and um, Casillas is saying he was hacked. Did they the do old, it for clout? The old, no, I, I don't know why they've done it. I mean, I think personally, knowing who Ika Casillas is and Carlos Puel, who responded, both of them, they are the typical machismo Spanish football players. You know, uh, Casillas uh, was married to a really beautiful uh, uh, Spanish broadcaster for many years. He also has 
also been dating Shakira recently. He was another Barcelona. Uh, he was she was married to a, a Barcelona player. The well, same at least with, her hips don't lie. They I, certainly don't. Like as soon as you said that. I was thinking, who's going to make a hipstone lie joke first? It was either <laughs> going to be me and Lorcan. You've gone there first. It was always going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I, I think personally, when I first saw it, I just thought, absolutely, no, I've been waiting for somebody to come out. Somebody big, big time. I understand what you're saying about the Australian footballer who's come out. And there's a young lad at Blackpool as well, who I think was brave, so brave, that kid, to come out, the the, the Blackpool kid. I think he's found it a lot easier than he thought it would be. Um, but again, for me personally, I just think it's it's grassroots. That's at a lot much lower level. And to think that the likes of someone like Ika Casillas would come out as gay would have been absolutely groundbreaking. So he's been an absolute tit for what he's done, personally, I think. I don't think he's been hacked at all. God knows what. Unless he was. Who knows? You've put your left your phone down in the dressing room. It's a sort of dickhead thing a footballer might do. He may have been hacked. But for Pete and Pete... And you know what? If it was behind scenes and they were just joking about it in the dressing room amongst themselves, fine. But it wasn't. It's for the world to see. And 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 obviously you two, you tell me then, Ed. How how do you feel about that? And your I mean, boy, like, how does he how does he feel as a football fan? How does he feel it's affected things? Yeah, I mean it's gutting. I mean, like Sam spends um, a huge amount of his time um, promoting um, LGBTQ inclusivity in football. And he's really involved in that. Um, and so, I mean, on the one hand, there's just the sheer letdown of it not being true, mm. right? So I think that, yeah. like I said, I think Sam was sceptical all the way through. Um, and I think most people were. But, you know, there will have been some people out there who just for a moment thought, yeah. okay, this could this could this be true? But then on another level, it's just absolutely reinforced in the, I think, in the minds of um homophobic football fans that it's still okay to be homophobic Yo, it's still okay yeah. to make make jokes at the expense mm. of lgbtq people and i just like you say we've got we've um people like jake daniels that's the kid yeah so you know we've got jake daniels who has been as you say incredibly brave and come out and every time somebody like jake daniels takes a huge amount of personal sacrifice and personal bravery to do what they've done and there will be so many other footballers who are on the verge of thinking that they'll be the next one um and then something like this happens and it just sets everything back and that's just you know a complete travesty what really frustrates me whenever something like this happens is like the pure audacity of people saying i've been hacked just be honest just say, oh, I thought it'd be a bit of banter. I'm an idiot. Sorry about that. Because saying you're hacked, everyone knows you're lying anyway. Exactly. So you may as well own up to it. Uh, for me, not really affected. I've always struggled with inclusivity in football in so far that I don't like football. So I'm not included. I think last time I played it was in 1999. I got a football kick to my face. and I, I decided on the spot, <laughs> this isn't a game for me. You don't have to include me. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I just, you know. But I would say. I was, I was going to make a crude joke about ball slapping against my face, Lynn, but I thought <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, Lorcan's got a notepad of them in front of him, so we'll get them out of the way now. You know, no, they... you'd have thought so. I don't. No, this they're just brain. there. It's awful. All the time, 24-7. <laughs> I'm a pun machine. 
Larkin, yes, I've, I've, had, I've had to stop myself. That's all I'm saying. I've had to stop myself. I've got so many. I'm worse than you. I think, you know, Larkin, you say there that it, it doesn't particularly affect you because you're not a football fan. And I totally get that. But one thing that I would um, caution is uh, not recognising the sheer, you know, the, the, the impact Important. that, yeah, that mm-hmm. football has on on British society as a whole. Yep. So, you know, most most boys at school are well into football. Like, obviously, you got you and me, Lorcan, and many others who are the outlayers who weren't, you know, well into football at school. But um, I um, have been involved in uh, running scouts and scout groups and cup groups and stuff like that. And I can tell you that, like, so many young males in this country live and breathe football um, and they have done for for decades and it's not going anywhere um and it it forms it helps them form their worldview far more than probably it should but it does um and so the impact it has on things like workplace bullying when they grow up on things like just how their friendship groups form i think it's huge um yeah and no Sorry to disagree. Well, I'm not really disagreeing. I think representation is really important and it's important that LGBT people are visual in sport. But I don't think it's a cure-all. I mean, football has never been so diverse, especially ethnically over the years, but we still have a problem with racism in the sport. I think football in itself, there's a reason for all these things and it's a mixture of factors. So I think even if you had half the players being gay, you still have an audience of people who are classically more right wing than perhaps your average person. I think that's a, that's an absolute. Am I generalizing? Plus all the crushing generalization. I swear to God, honest, and I'm sure it happens. I've gone to Old Trafford now, like I say, for thirty years, and as a woman, never had any either. Never had any problems. Never heard a gay slur. Never heard a racist chant. And I know that they exist, but I haven't heard them at Old Trafford. I know they exist. One question I have for you, Ed, specifically, then with your your boyfriend and your partner being so involved. My question is, is what is the difference? Why in the gay community then is there such a difference between the female side and the male side? Because there's seven of the lionesses are openly gay, seven of them, and no problem. So what? why is there a difference between the male and the female? Well, I mean, the gay I, I just think it's as simple as, as being the... Um, it's not, I think it's to do with toxic masculinity, right? So mm. toxic femininity isn't a thing, right? True. You know, obviously, you know, you get, you know, on the playground um, at a, a certain age, this kind of, I think, uh, amongst young girls and um, this desire to be super feminine, right? That happens. You know, I, I remember at school, girls constantly getting told off or having their skirts too high as often as boys were getting told off for having their ties not done up properly. Like, and I think that that's basically, you got a little bit of toxic femininity going on there, but it's, it, it seems to, to me that girls grow out of that much faster than boys. Um, and so when um, girls decide that they want to start going and playing football, um, that, that it's not, not as much of an issue for them. I absolutely agree i imagine because this happens to me so i can imagine this happens to footballers who are actually in the sport all i'll say is that if i was thrown in with a bunch of football fans as i was recently on the tram as we've discussed lynn Mm -hmm. uh, i regress and i mask um 
So you don't want to be the one that is quite clearly give, well. You 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 feel like you'd be giving someone an excuse to bully you, I suppose, or to uh, exclude you in most situations. So it's uncomfortable. It's a paranoia that people have. It's a worry, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I, I, I imagine it's something similar that actual footballers have to deal with. Uh, and uh, I mean, statistically, every Premier League club's going to have a gay player. Everyone. Well, yeah. Surely. This- there are like 600 players or something in the in the Premier League. It's not speculation to think no, that, it's a, that... It's maths to think that some of them might is. be gay. I would say it would be within each club. It'd be. Do you know, I also believe that the ones who are gay in each club all know that. Their players, their colleagues, their teammates, they'll all know and they'll be have, have no problem. With, but they're just terrified of it going out to the wider public. Would you say it's a... What is the fear? Is it the worry that they won't be signed or is it the fear that they'll have horrible things chanted at them by fans? I think it's the fans. I think it just goes back to, again, I go back years, the only openly gay footballer who came out ended up killing himself because it was that bad, John Fashionew. And, you know, it it was heartbreaking what went on for, for for that lad. And... I'm sure that people still look back on things like that and maybe are scared about it, but I don't think the fans would do that nowadays. I genuinely don't. I think there's been that much education that even if some of them did, the rest of the crowd would go, shut up, you dickhead. You know, we wouldn't have it. I wouldn't. If I was sat there and someone started that, I have pulled somebody at the football when I've heard anyone say anything. So I remember someone calling someone a a black, and then I thought, no, having that. It could, be, it could be a shit footballer, but it's got nothing to do with what colour he is. I'm not bothered. I watched uh, I watched an interview with uh, Fashionu from, I think it was like the early 90s. Oh, yeah. And what surprised me wasn't the fact that he was gay or coming out at the time. It's the fact that he could string a sentence together. And I thought, oh, my God, he's a footballer and he's incredibly erudite. He's very articulate, really, John Fashionu. Yeah, he really was. guy. Yeah. yeah. The only way I can think of linking this to the next subject is by describing what's happened today as part of an ongoing own goal, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a a massive own goal. So let me just play you a clip of, um, uh, of, of what happened today. Today, I have asked Jeremy Hunt to become the new Chancellor. He's one of the most experienced and widely respected government ministers and parliamentarians. And he shares my convictions and ambitions for our country. Dear so, God. <laughs> Quarting out um, and off the subs bench has um, come Jeremy Hunt. Fairly inevitable, I think, that, that Quarting was, was going to go out. Lorcan, you sent me a text today around one o'clock predicting that there was going to be a general election. Do you still think that that's going to happen? Oh, please, God. Well, I'll just comment on that clip. I know no one can see it, obviously, but not to be irreverent or abusive in in any way, but when I watched her speak, it looked like a neighbour that you don't know too well apologising for running over your cat. (laughs) But not apologising, but like just kind of admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. Getting another cat. Your cat. But we have another cat. Here's another cat. Mr. Cunt. (laughs) And it's a widely respected cat. Widely respected cat. Is he widely respected by... Really qualified as a cat. Uh, Yeah. No one. He's actually generally hated and revived throughout the NHS. I know. For lots of reasons. (laughs) So 
it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for him. But at this moment, they're just rearranging the, uh, the, the, the chairs on the Titanic. It's insane as to why this announcement has, has even been made. Quasi, bless him, he was on the plane back expecting to make a statement or hear some important news. <laughs> just fired him. The plane should have just turned around. He could have had a nice holiday. But never mind. And I mean, the idea of this, she went into this trying to reassure people. (laughs) Like she, I think she genuinely seemed to think that, that this was going to calm things down, restore a little bit of um, peace and harmony and, and people might be, um, you know, uh, reassured, but just the complete opposite has happened. I mean, the markets didn't settle. The markets jumped again. Um, The pound fell again. Yeah. She's made it worse. Uh, so the pound fell. It's like she's trying to put out a chip pan fire and she's put water on it and not only water, but the kitchen sink and it's still really fiery. Yeah. Unlike her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike her, she's not doing well. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what next episode. It's, it's, she's rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, that's where we're at at this point. She She made these big decisions she didn't consult the appropriate experts. I was expecting today to hear an actual apology uh, and and requesting sympathy. I was expecting something, you know, just I was expecting it to be really genu- genuflect and very sincere. So oh, we've made a mistake. We went in too hard, too fast with this kind of uh, manifesto that I've conceived on the fucking spot. Let's have a general election and let the people decide but- and let's get the mandate. They will they never do, do that. that. They know full they will never well. Do that. But yeah, they, exactly. they know now that they are at an all time low of popularity. They're never going to call for a general election now because Labour will get in. They will get in. If, if, if they called one now, all bets are off for the Tories. There's no chance. So they seem to me to have a choice. Basically, either they continue destroying the Conservative Party and, and, and absolutely relegating it to, you know, potentially third party status you know i like that's genuinely if they keep going down this path where i think they're going to end up um or they lose a general election that they call now um it's like you know (laughs) they've got two choices in front of them as far as i can see take take the hit lose a general election and you know stay as a party which has a fighting chance in the future or disappear into uh, the realms well, of unelectability forever. She she paints herself as the second coming of Thatcher as to why that's supposed to be appealing, I don't know. But if she was <laughs> genuinely a conviction politician, as I say, she would hold a general election and let people make decisions based on the, there is, based there on is, the merits of her policies. There is, however, a third option that you're not considering, that this was always the plan. Boris supported Liz Truss all along because he knew she was an absolute car crash. And there are people already now saying, we should get Boris back. We should get Boris back. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't sidle back in as a result of this. Can you imagine the circus that would cause? Yeah. We're already a laughing stock. And the Tories are already a laughing stock. It would be like musical chairs. I know. They've hit the end of the road. And if I was a Conservative voter, can you imagine... I would be of the opinion, genuinely at this point, if I had any kind of um, self-awareness, I would think to myself, well, my party needs some time out. It needs to be out of office. A rebuild. We need to to rebuild, regroup, Mm. rethink about what 
what our next build back um, better idea is yeah, build back back. Yeah. <laughs> what is our what is our what is our next project to really destroy british society who knows by this time next week um something in, equally as dramatic will have happened and um, we can talk about then we'll be back with you next week discussing more subjects without trying to change the subject too obviously at least i think we did a fair enough job today lynn it's been lovely having you see you soon bye-bye